This is not the ad. Please listen to this. Sorry, I just didn't want you to skip ahead. I know sometimes people skip ads. Listen, I know. I know some of you got ad block out there and some of you skip ads on podcasts. I get it. But I wanted you to listen to this because it's about the recording quality. I think we might have finally found a solution. I appreciate those of you that reached out, uh, those of you that tried to help clean up the audio from Jason's episode on Sunday. I think we might have found an actual solution here, something that some of you suggested, as well as uh, what Carson Sestouli suggested, who does the, the Front Pages podcast, Zencaster. It looks like it's going to work. Our very first try with it is the first uh, two-thirds half of this show, and little disjointed. We, we, we did get it figured out, but... I sound kind of maybe like I'm on the phone. Uh, for whatever reason, it was uh, on my computer. It was recording my side, but not Eno's. On Eno's computer, thankfully, well, maybe not thankfully, for, but for some reason it was recording my side. It actually would have been better if it just recorded his. Then we could have put the two together, but that's not how it works. So you ca- I kind of hear like I'm, I sound like I'm in a phone, a little bit muffled. Uh, listenable, though, I thought. Like, I'm a podcast listener, too, so I get the fact that some of you have probably heard the bad quality on some of these and just said, can't listen, can't do it, won't do it, uh, to quote Mike Singletary. But I, I get that, okay? So when I say listenable, I'm saying, okay, it's not at peak, but you can certainly hear my points and all that. Eno sounds crystal clear, right? So interestingly enough, it was the other side that was a problem. Me this time, usually it's, it's been my connection with the other guy. Not saying it's their fault. I'm saying that usually it's, okay, Paul's audio is good. The other one's poor. Well, this one, Eno's, for the most part, is, is, is high quality. Mine is poor-ish. And then we get to about, I don't remember exactly what time period it is in the episode, but we had to do another call because uh, Skype crashed, which it is, is wont to do anytime I try to make a call over about 30 minutes. Um, so maybe it's closer to that part. Maybe it's about 30 minutes in. I guess that would work. Anyway, then I think we really got it on track to where Eno's side was just recording him. My side was just recording me. The Zencaster thing creates both files. You bring them both in. Bing, bang, boom. You're good to go. Okay, so you're going to notice an audio quality change at that point in the show. That's what it should be like going forward. I think we finally got a handle on this, and I sincerely apologize for the prolonged issues. I feel like that's something that we've kind of had in control for the bulk of of my tenure on this show. It was never really an issue. Every once in a while, like it may be a bad show, maybe Jason's traveling or something like that. But by and large, we did not have recording issues until recently. And so it has been so trying and frustrating. I understand it's not the end of the world or whatever. But in the realm of my jobs it is uh it's been very trying but i think we finally got a solution here appreciate those of you that uh you know gave feedback and and you know let us know say hey i'm not trying to hate on y'all i just want to let y'all know this did not sound good i get it i totally get it let me know how this sounds please judge it more on the second half again that's what that's what we're going to be at going forward um and then, and then we'll kind of if, if it still sounds bad if the second half maybe i'm overrating it that still sounds bad let me know just, just give me the feedback on Twitter at Sporer. But we're gonna get this, we're gonna get this handled under control, back on track. Um, I, I, I guarantee that. But I think, I think we're a, a great step here on this show. So enjoy. Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. 
That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. The baseball season is winding down, but we're about to have the two biggest months of the regular season. So you're definitely going to be wanting tickets. If your team's in, con in, in contention, you might be making a decision kind of at the last minute. You know what? It's Tuesday night. Let's go ahead and go. You jump on SeatGeek. And you're going to guarantee yourself the best prices, even with that sort of uh, game day type of buying as opposed to buying them in, in advance. And because SeatGeek is the only place I ever go to look for tickets to a game or concert, that's, that's, that's kind of how I know. I, I actually use the product here. I have the app on my phone, and it, it's great. It's taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Now, our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do to get that $20 rebate is download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R, and then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. Episode 386 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It's Friday, September 2nd, and we're desperately hoping that this audio recording works. My name is Paul Spohr. I'm joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going? No ice machine. No ice machine. We do have a barking dog. It's always something. It's always sleeper something. in the bus lately. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like the hullabaloo. But, yeah, I mean, we, we, we got something going on. There'll be some construction going out of one of our <laughs> apartments uh, how, or your house on Wednesday. Jason will be in an airplane on Sunday or something. It's, it's going to always be something. Let's just uh, let, let's go with that. But hopefully this is working. We're trying a new thing with the recording here using something called Zencaster that a couple of users, uh, listeners suggested and what Carson Sestouli uses. So if it's good enough for Carson, it's well, it's probably not good enough for anybody, but we're going to use Carson's <laughs> suggestion just the same. We hey, we're we're on these blue Yeti that. microphones because Carson suggested them. So, well, listen. So he does, you know, blind squirrel, acorn sort of situation there. <laughs> but I do love Carson. The blue Yetis are amazing, and and so hopefully they are being picked up to their proper levels because it's definitely not the recording instruments that we're using right now it's been the software so let's just dive right in okay we're doing one of our old, our, our, our player episodes we're not focused on one uh particular through line got some players from you got some players from twitter let's dive in let's start with reynaldo lopez for the washington nationals starting pitcher a prospect of some acclaim um if you're not super familiar with prospects you know, you, you know the Giolitos, the Benintendis, the Moncadas. You might not know a Reynaldo Lopez. He's a top 100 guy, but uh, I know you know a couple couple leagues I'm in are a little bit shallower. Some people in my league not familiar with the top 75, the top 90 type of guys. So he he makes those lists. He's a he's a nice uh, nice arm for sure. 
haven't seen huge results from a uh, ERA and WHIP standpoint. But what's going on with Reynaldo Lopez? Is there any chance he could be an asset down the uh, down the stretch? The I think the biggest question is his role. You know. Yeah, he's going to get the innings. Yeah, and is he is he going to start the? Um... Yeah, you know, I, I guess there's a secondary question is is his stuff, but if you I've watched him some and you know it's a true 96, it's a real nice fastball um, that I I'm not sure where the funk comes from, but there's a little bit of funk to it that um, you know pit, hitters don't really uh, see it that well, um, and um, uh, the curve is nice, you know it's a it's a good. 80 mile an hour, you know, 78, you know, sort of, uh, pitch with, with decent movement. Um, so, you know, kind of on the harder end for curves, you know, Does he have the standard young guy issue where the, the, the changeup's no good. Is that the issue right now? Well, it has a, it has a huge gap. I, I didn't see a ton of them because he doesn't throw it a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he throws, uh, he throws about 10% of the time. It's just right at that cutoff where you're like, Oh, he trusts it or he doesn't. But, uh, I didn't quite see it, and I think one of the things that's that's hard about it is it's definitely on the Estrada end. The it it, it doesn't look like it has great movement, but uh, it has a ten mile an hour gap. So if it looks a lot like his four seam, uh, and then and then it's ten miles an hour slower, that's probably why it's gotten average whiff so far. Even though the yeah, movement, you, you've is got the amazing. arm working. Yeah, exactly. That that's where that's where the uh, strength of the changeup is going to work for Reynaldo Lopez. You know, it's it's a it's a straight platoon split right now, which is why I asked about the the, the changeup. You look at uh, you look at him one ninety three two ninety three seventy against. Oh wait, excuse me, it's the reverse platoon split for Reynaldo Lopez. I had I had these flipped here. Mm. He is murking lefties. That that one ninety three two ninety three seventy. That's against lefties. Righties are are obliterating the right hander three eighty four fifty five five ten. I actually got two hits off of him. Um, I played in a major league game and I got I went I went two for four against Reynaldo Lopez. So any righty can go up there and get a hit right now. Um, that's an interesting issue to me because, like I said, I misread it. That's why I thought the changeup might be well, the problem. What do you suspect is an issue when when you've got such a sharp reverse? With, I know that they they don't uh, they're not set in stone on twenty five in the third innings. But what what do you think is the issue there when it's so severe? I might guess something about his. Um, I might guess. I might guess something about his curveball maybe popping up or he's wrapping the curveball for more movement, um, something like that, because the line drive rate on his curveball right now is almost fifty percent. That's not good. I don't, don't want that. No, it's not good. I don't know what it's about. I don't know why. Because um, <clears throat> the whiff rate, that's actually against righties. Sorry, that's against righties. So it, one thing that might be is that change-ups and curveballs often have reverse platoon splits. So maybe he's missing like a cutter or a slider. You know, normally we think, oh, he's missing a weapon against lefties. Maybe in this case he's actually missing a weapon against righties. Though the whiff rates are all better against righties. Uh, the, the change gets 19% whiffs against righties as opposed to um, uh, 9% against lefties. But he throws it less. So maybe they just don't expect it. You know, People don't really expect a, a righty-on-righty changeup, girl-on-girl changeup. Um, <clears throat> in any case, uh, the, the curve gets 20% whiffs, which is a real nice number, uh, especially since he's thrown at 69. That's really nice. 
uh, 69 times. But um, not nice is the the fifty percent line drive rate. So I don't, you know, line drive rates we don't really talk about too much because they're you know so fickle. They're they're recorded by uh, fickle fickle human beings. But um, the fact that they're swinging so often at that curveball, righties are swinging at forty eight percent of the time. That's usually below forty. Um, so there's something there. They must be they must be seeing it pretty well. Uh, maybe it pops up out of his hand. Um, yeah, I've been talking to a lot of hitters right now about what they see out of the hand. That's that's my big piece for next week. And uh, yeah, you were you were talking about that on on the last episode <clears throat> as well. Um, I'm looking at at innings counts right here. I haven't seen any news that he won't continue to to get an opportunity to start for Reynaldo Lopez. But you look, it's 134 innings so far this year. He had 99 last year. You know, maybe another 20 innings. That, that, that'd, be a, that'd be about a 55 increase for the year. Is that too much in your estimation? I mean, that, I know there's no set number. Well, that He's, this is a team that might have a set number. Well, I mean, they did it. They did it to Strasburg. Sure. Yeah. Uh, like he's been so good that that he's going going to buck the trend, right? If Reynaldo Lopez had a 2.33 ERA and a 107 WHIP instead of 5.33, 1.70, then maybe you start extending things. But as it stands right now, now. On that 5.30 ERA, it's a it's a 3.50 FIP, right? So yeah, skills aren't aren't too bad. I like the 11% swinging strike rate. Walks a little bit high, but the strikeouts are good. If he gets something to get righties in check a little bit, or maybe even got some some good luck going his way, if that line drive rate has some bad luck tied to it, maybe there's something there. But I don't know that I'd go crazy for him. You know, maybe NL only where what's, he's already probably already owned. Yeah, and what's the rotation? Scherzer, Geo. Roark, Roark right now. That's those yeah. guys are in stone. Uh, Strasburg's injury they tried to play down, and he threw a successful bullpen, so he's supposed to come right off the disabled list. Okay. Um, and he went on the disabled list. Joe Ross is a TBD situation right now. But I'll get you info on Strasburg right now. Let's see. Joe Ross is actually. Joe Ross is actually uh, is finally having rehab appearances. Um, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. But from what I can tell, they're really short. Uh, minor league game log. It's not going to show me the minor league games, is it? No. Yeah. The la- latest news from two uh, two days ago said that Strasburg looking to come off next week when as yeah. soon as he's eligible. They didn't list the date, but like you said, no rehab, kind of jump right back in. So that that would mean that his spot is pretty much the next time it comes up, he's in it. Yeah. That's that's yeah. what I'm reading so, from that. So that's Scherzer, Strasburg, Gonzalez, Rourke. So now we're talking about the fifth starter. Um, Ross Lopez. Ross Lopez Cole. That's oh, yeah, that's Cole right. is and, and starting it, today. It's it's Ross if he gets back and he's like that. That's the guy that they want. Yeah, the, and then somebody asked me in a chat a really interesting question. Why not all of them? Um, be, yeah. Because the Nationals have their top three. You know, and and probably their top four. So you know, it's more interesting to them to really know how these guys can do in two inning stints, probably, or one inning. That would stints. be interesting. That's a that would be really smart if if they used the Cole Ross Lopez trio as a bullpen game, getting all of them in, trying yeah. to mix it up a little bit, sell it to them, saying, "Listen, you guys want to make this playoff roster? It's going to be out right. of the bullpen." Ross, what's the point? Yeah, Ross, you might lose the rest of the season if you don't do this because we don't know how many innings you can throw. Reynaldo exactly. Lopez, you're coming up on an innings limit anyway. 
And AJ Cole, like you made, we, like you wouldn't even have a chance of making the roster probably unless you do this. So, I mean, you know, some of these things have to be sold. You know, when you do something weird, you have to sell it. I mean, that's part of what Ben Lindbergh and Sam Miller's book was all about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the only rule is it has to work. You know, that's book, by the way. Yeah, it's a funny it's a funny title because really the rule is that in order for it to work they have to think it'll work, you know, and it'll have to, yeah, the only rule is they have to buy in is, right. is, is probably the, the more apt name, but it has to work really gets the point home too, because right. they run into these situations where the players are like, that doesn't work. Well, we didn't try it. Yeah. But right. it doesn't work because it hasn't before. No, that's not. How yeah. It like Drew Pomerantz hated the 75 pitch, you know, four man rotation thing that the Rockies did. Oh God. But... That went, that went off. You know, you said that the phrases went off without a hitch. That went off with like seven thousand, <laughs> like only hitches. Um, yes. You know the uh, the the thing is though, if if you if you had gotten Drew Pomerantz right when he was drafted and said, you know, we're doing this in the whole organization, it's the way to get to the to the majors. Everyone has to do it, um, and and probably not so much like a strict pitch count or anything. But I would if I, like for me, it would be a six man rotation. And I would just say, all of you guys don't have any innings right now. You're all coming out of college with, you know, 7,500 innings at most, right? And yeah. you could spend your next four years, like, trying to build up innings and, and get ready for the majors. Or we'll cut that down for you and get you the majors faster, except it's going to be, you know, because you're going to be root, you're going to be going for 160 innings or 170 innings, and we're going to have a six-man rotation. There's tons of minor league organizations that have six-man rotations anyway, so... You just sort of say, well, this is the new norm for everybody. There's six starters, you know. Uh, you'd have to figure out how to, to work your bullpen, and it would be better if you had one more roster spot, you know, if it was 26-man rosters or whatever. But, um, you know, I think you can make it happen, especially if you had, like, a fireman, like a, a seventh rotation guy that was in that was on your staff that was uh, – that. Uh, that that could come in and soak up innings every two or three uh, things because you'd have to have you'd have to think about your bullpen a little bit differently because you'd be one like one guy exactly. down you know but yeah, yeah you I g- think you got to have that guy ready to go a couple innings it almost takes some some reshifting of the bullpens too to maximize their innings instead of just that one inning late in the game they got to understand maybe you have to come in a little bit earlier maybe you have to go two maybe three innings if you're really dominating things like that yeah and probably uh, not. Like not a great team to have like you couldn't have like two loogies on that team. You'd yeah. have to you'd have to have more like Andrew Miller as your loogie where he can actually pitch to three, four batters. Uh and you're not like taking in Javier Lopez and, you know, throwing him against one guy and then taking him out because you're not gonna have that sort of luxury. But because any righty who sees him <laughs> gets like a nine thousand point OPS. Right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, so in this case, uh, that would be a bad outcome for us, if, you know, trying to use these players. Uh, so we're really, I think we're, we're really rooting for if we want one of these guys to emerge is Joe Ross. I mean, AJ Cole today, if he had a good start, um, you know, could could be the guy who's like, I'm the fifth starter. Joe Ross is, you know, going to go to the bullpen, and Ronaldo Lopez is is you know further on down in the in the bullpen. So. You know, I think that's maybe maybe one of the most likely, and then the second most likely tied for that is Joe Ross is the fifth starter, and Lopez and Kohler in the bullpen. So none of these, none of those two scenarios really points to Lopez uh, figuring in much. 
Uh, yeah, I think that, I think that's fair. I think the, the 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 Twitter user that asked about him kind of wanted just a review of what we've seen so far, maybe what the outlook is going forward. Is he somebody, Reynaldo Lopez, that you see sticking in a rotation, whether it's yeah. uh, something that they move in the offseason to strengthen the, the team now or keep him as a young guy because they're going to start losing some of these uh, some of these veteran types? Lopez, a future starter for you? Got enough I think so. I think so. There. You know, it's not – It's the, the bigger your curveball, the more likely you are to have a reverse platoon split on it. And the smaller and more power uh, your curveball, the more it's like a slider and then it has traditional platoon splits. So, um, you know, his is uh, three minus three, basically, which a big roundhouse like a Wainwright is like six minus six. So, you know, and those big ones are usually like 75 miles an hour and, and Lopez is close to 80. So I would call his a power slider. It's not a power slider like Lance McCullers or anything, uh, but he's a you know he's a nice fastball. What I would call a power slider, um, and the change you know looks it's a, d- a little bit straight, but it looks decent. What we've got here on a team level is that Gio Gonzalez has an option for next year. Um, I don't know what the actual number is. Well, I can figure that out too. I'm right here. Gio Gonzalez is twelve million. Um, you almost got to pick that yeah, up. Yeah, right? he's going to be back with the team. That's a nice contract they signed him to. That's a really nice contract. I mean, he had a 414 so far this year, but that's that's uh, for 12 million he becomes your, you know, your fifth starter basically. Yeah, you take 414 for 12 mil and 185 innings anytime you can get it. I know it sounds crazy. 12 mil just that's that's what 12 mil is. That, then, that's better than 12 mil. And they have the most expensive one too and Roark is just entering arbitration so it's actually it's a tough uh it's a tough rotation to, to crack but we know that teams use 10 10 starters on average joe ross is already having shoulder trouble i would call i think I, on stuff this is an interesting question uh who's ahead who's ahead for the seventh starter sort of on the depth chart in general lopez or cole who do you like better i know you like cole See, a little that's, bit that's, i like cole i do like cole I'm going to stick with Cole. I still think there's something here. You know, you look at his numbers right now. Don't get hung up on the home run rate, folks. It's 2.1, but it's 12 and two-thirds innings. That's three homers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing this year, though, is he's gone more to, and again, it's 12 innings, but from slider changeup not using, or slider curve, not using the changeup as much, um, maybe because it's faster and there's not enough split between the, the fastball. He's 91 to 84. Whereas last year he was ninety one eighty one, so I don't know. I still think there's something here. He's only twenty four years old. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Cole. Hmm. I'm not completely off of Lopez, but Cole for me. Yeah, it's he's had such an interesting um, background. Cole has because at some at points he was ninety four miles an hour. Yeah, and I remember that. That's what really got me in on on the Cole train, but Ooh, backed off. John Cole train. I went for it. I went for it. <laughs> uh, Backed off a little bit, obviously. This, you know, the, the velocity's been down. I think each of the last two years hasn't quite had that, but I think has enough secondary stuff to survive that. That that's the thing that I'm kind of hanging my hat on with Cole. Even when I did like him before with the big velocity, is that because you know that's going to go away sooner than later, um, and so you got to say, okay, well, what what what's after the big heat? And for me, I think three viable pitches if if the changeup just... is something that he isn't completely abandoning. Yeah, what I'm worried about is that there was this a pretty sharp drop in um, his strikeout rate. Uh, 
at one point. So like when he first got to Double A, you know, when the, he was the upper minors got him. Yeah, I guess so. That first, that, that first time through, right? The Double A, he had he had it. But then that, that, was that next year, forty-five innings started. though. It could have just been a small sample. But I'm worried that that's right. that he lost the velocity between thirteen and fourteen, because he went from in 2013 his first taste of Double A, he was striking out twenty-eight uh, percent uh, of the guys. But it was only forty-five innings, but still twenty-eight percent of the guys. And then so his nasty. next time in Double A was went down to twenty, uh, and he hasn't really been above twenty since. No, he hasn't. You're right. You're right. Uh, he doesn't walk a lot of guys. And so he does not walk on our guys. You know, we got we got to see that because I look at the home run rate. I said, don't worry about the twelve and two thirds. But you look at his triple A, and he allowed one point two in Syracuse and and the international league. So that's a little bit alarming. Um, I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna stand by Cole right now. Yeah. But it's not a it's not a free and easy path to to success right now. It it's looks just, more like a four starter, but uh, a viable one at that. Right. And Ronaldo Lopez. I mean, to be fair, to to compare them, you know. Side by side, Ronaldo Lopez was more of a twenty percent guy until of a big spike in Double A this year, mm-hmm. uh, and his big spike in the other direction came in seventy six innings. So it's not like, you know, it's not there. There's a possibility these are sort of two trains passing the night in, in different directions, basically. But you know, we don't really know that. So, you know, I do say that the projections for Lopez are a little bit more interesting in terms of having uh, eight and a half strikeouts per nine, uh, three eight nine ERA, whereas uh, the Cole projections are more over four ERA with a seven strikeout per nine. Um, and I think that's reacting a little bit to the high minors work from Lopez versus uh, versus Cole. But uh, you know, really nice for the Nationals, man. I mean, two of the best say that. pitchers in the in the majors at the top of their rotation, and then. You know, viable candidates all the way through, and then there's you know six and seven guys are are uh, are, we, are we even talking? Are we talking seven and oh, eight? Yeah, we didn't say word one about Giolito yet. Right, that's kind of the beauty of, of what they've got there. So they yeah. have Scherzer, Strasburg, Gio, Roark, Giolito, Lopez, Cole. That's eight starters right there. The magic that's goes that. in and out for for speaking of magic. The magic goes in and out for for Roark a little bit. And uh, so, you know, he could maybe be out of the rotation again. But, um, wow, woof on the projections on Giolito. Jeez. They, they're crushing him now? Yeah, is that because of the 16 major league innings? It's got to be. It's got to be. His, his nothing else. double A and triple A numbers are fire. Ex- exactly. I mean, but you're looking 16 innings, 9% strikeouts, 15% walks, 6.6% swinging strike. Two and a half homers per night. Again, small sample, but all horrific. And they, that that's what's in. And now the projections are four and a half ERA for him. Nice. So that's weird, dude. I mean, w- w- the numbers are going to be as fickle as like Joe, sports fan that calls the friggin' Giannetto's a bomb. You got five ERA. Here, here's what I I got a solution. Okay? Trade him for Mike Trout. Trade <laughs> with this Giolito. He's a big prospect. I saw it on the on on the interwebs. You trade him. Manny Machado, <laughs> get him to throw in Jonathan Scope. I don't want Daniel Murphy. I saw him make an error the other day. That guy's right. hitting like uh, 9.50. I don't care. I don't care. Made an error. Get him out of there and sell. Throw in Scope and probably can get Bundy for Giolito. Let's get that done. Manny Machado, Jonathan Scope, and Bundy for Giolito. I fixed the Nats. I'll hang up and listen to what you have to say. <laughs> First time, long time. No, I yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know what they'll do. It does seem like. 
there's a trade, you know, sort of budding there. Um, I, I, I think they'll have they'll, they'll be looking to move something because even though you do need the ten arms, like you're saying, most most teams use people uh, would really like to arms. have their like you know seven, eight, nine arms, yeah. But they they could probably. I don't know what what uh, what the rest of their uh, Ooh, Washington Vado. situations are. Make a run at Vado. Yeah, because uh, well, you got to still pay Zimmerman though. Do you throw Zimmerman? Is Zimmerman going back in that deal? Do they? Oh man, they're paying Zimmerman forever. That's weird. I think we're having technical difficulties. Stand by while you hear this music. <sighs> Big heavy sigh. You're going to have to come back and edit something. We love Skype. Yes, we do. That's a lie. Nobody likes Skype. It's a tire fire. What do we do when the Skype runs out? What do we do? Why don't you call me back? You know... The sound of one hand clapping is a man losing his mind. That's what happens when you have a recording microphone and one person by himself. Oh, and here is Paul to rescue me from my idiocy. Hey. Yes. Hey. What? Were you talking that whole time? Yeah. My, my Skype exploded. Yeah. It's, uh, you, it, did, it is. You will enjoy the Zencaster. <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't wait to hear it. I can't wait to hear it. Oh, my God. Brian Zimmerman is under contract until 2019 for lots of money. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I forgot about that deal. deal, Not a great deal. Send Zimmerman back feasibly, and Uh, why would they want Zimmerman? Well, maybe you shave some money off. So you you shave some money off of Zimmerman's deal, and you give give the Reds basically a 10 million dollar first baseman, and you give up Giolito, and because they think Giolito is a stud. And you gotta give Giolito if you're gonna do it. Right? You have to. You give him Wilmer Difo or Defo or whatever, and you give him. I mean, it just depends on how much the Reds don't want to pay Votto, right? Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, yeah I, mean, they, I don't know. We, we, that's enough roster rating about the Nationals. I mean, these yeah, guys yeah, might win it all this year, so over. let's just let's, move on. <laughs> let's move over to our guy who we haven't brought up in a while, and we're not trying to be fair weather. We weren't just pumping Ozuna when he was doing well. We did, you know, we did kind of have him off the radar a little bit. He wasn't doing a whole lot. Really brutal August that he just finished. He still hit his three homers. I look at everything though, and I see a one sixty one Babbitt. I know that's got to play a role, right? I see okay, sixteen strikeouts in one hundred fourteen plate appearances. That's a fourteen percent strikeout rate. That's that's great. I got no problems with that. I see the same thing on his walk rate, pretty much in line with what he does. Not a great. 6% walk rate, but in line with what he does. All the skills are in line. Three homers, that's the same thing that he had in July. You like a little bit more. You probably want to be a five homer per month sort of guy the way he was pacing. But Marcelo Zuna, ugly month, anything that you're concerned about or just an ugly month that might have had that might have had some bad luck tied to it? Well, the 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 ground balls came to came calling. And you know, he he 
started pulling the ball better this year and, and pulling the ball in the air, which is the you know the way to hit for power. And that was all going well until August, when all of a sudden he started hitting two ground balls for every fly ball. And you don't uh, want that. That's real bad because that's that that hits right into a glove. So I don't know. That's that that's partially it. I mean, recently there's been the injury, uh, but that I mean that just happened. Um, he he had a diving another diving play where he might have hurt his wrist, but they don't think it's a big deal, and they're going to try and keep him out there because they're still trying to you know win the wild card. I see some sloughing off in the in the average exit velocity. He was, okay. uh, you know, steadily 92. You know, in fact, he didn't drop below 92 in any week until uh, June when he was 91, and then <clears throat> end last week of June down to 90, which is basically average. Then he had a little burst again, and then August saw him um, sort of go up and down around average. So he's he hasn't been as steady as he was early in the in the season. And you know, these guys, even if they're not reporting injuries, you know, the season, you know, is uh, it's difficult to keep your body the same way all 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 the way through the season. So exactly, and. That's something that's hard to remember sometimes, especially when we see guys performing on a certain level, and then they they it goes starkly the other way. Well, what happened? Could be a small injury. Could be something that you can easily still play through, but 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 impacts your play too. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we talk about a lot, but it just it it's always tough for me to keep that in mind. That okay, yeah, guys are going to get knickknack injuries that can pile up, that can that can be difficult situations for them. So I don't know. Um, would you try to – is there any chance that, that Marcelo Zuna is available in some shallower leagues, right? Because 22 homers, finding that this year with a 268 average, not very difficult, right, with the power up? Yeah. Any chance he's available in some shallower leagues? Probably, but like coming right off a wrist injury is not necessarily the best time to get him. Yeah, and that happened a couple days ago. Um, he's had to exit a couple games since then as well. Yeah. So, so uh, that's a, that's a concern for Ozuna. For but sure. if you're if you're trying to hold on to him, you know you're kind of nursing him through this period, and you're thinking, well, you know, is this a sign of worse times to come? And you know, should I drop him in this keeper league because you know this is all he's got? I don't know. I don't think so. I think I would. I think there might be, you know, not like a, a whole nother level, but like one of those seasons where he kind of holds on to that. 93 mile an hour exit velocity all season basically you know doesn't get injured and gives you more of a like 280 you know 25 28 type season which that's a little bit harder to find i'm trying right now i'm looking at his heat maps to see if something has changed a little bit and there's a little bit of a slight change you know they're not giving him fastballs uh up as much as they used to um Uh, and they're, you know, they're definitely not coming in on him. They were like trying to, you know, come in up, up and in on him. And I think he liked those pitches. Uh, so now they've, there's been a little bit of adjustment where they're out over the plate and that might be harder to pull for power. You know, that, that's, uh, you know, that's a little bit out, you know, out over the plate is, um, not the easiest place to pull. So, you know, but he can make an adjustment where he either stands closer to the, the plate or, uh, I mean, he's got Barry Bonds working with him. I don't know. I think uh, I think liked him, and I'd, I'd hate to fall back on that. But um, you know, when you look at his 
production for the year, there's nothing that stands out as, you know, as being unlucky or lucky or whatever, you know. So this is a good baseline for a 25-year-old to, to hit 270 with 25 homers in a season. That's that's a good place to start, and I would hold on to that player if I could, even if it meant, you know, having to, you know, nurse him through this time period. I agree. I agree. And if you compare it to the 2014 season, it looks very similar, except that the strikeout rate has been trimmed nine percentage points. And I really do like seeing that yeah. out of Marcelo Zuna. That portends well for the future. You mentioned it too, the age is a great thing. He'll be 26 next year. We're sitting tight on Marcelo Zuna. You know who else? I'm, I'm, I'm doubling down on Addison Russell. Ooh. And you know what? He's only got a 243 average. What do you mean I'm doubling down? Because <laughs> it's another season. Now, he got 19 homers. He, he's beating everything he did last year except his runs, which he will do. Uh, he's beating his homers and RBIs in, uh, let's see, 18 fewer games, which I like, 19 against 13, 88 against 54, getting a lot of ribbies, which is interesting because the big concern, the big pushback I got when I was super hyped on him coming into this year was that he was going to bat lower in the order. And now he has batted 32 games in the five spot, which is great, and he's gotten 32 of his ribbies there, so he's getting an RBI per game. That's definitely helped. That was part of my point, though, was I thought that he could be good enough to get himself moved up and that's exactly what's happened he's scaled from eight to seven to six and now in the five spot for addison russell and again i know the average isn't good but everything else i'm seeing i continue to love addison russell and believe that there's even more ahead what what do you, what do you think about uh addy he's been really making news lately with some big plays defensive plays key hits so he's, he's kind of in the uh in focus right now what do you what do you think about him <clears throat> you know i think He's just he's going to become more and more selective over time. And that's that's been the story of him when he was in the minor leagues when he first came to a new level, he would strike out too much and then when he got another shot at it, he did he 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 excelled. And, you know, we've got a 22-year-old who is starting to understand what people are trying to do. And I think, you know, if you watch him, he had this great play the other day uh, where he was sort of diving at the foul line and, and when he popped up that he had more uh, excitement and energy than I than you normally see from him, or maybe that than I've ever seen from him. I mean, he's normally sort of that cool, calm, collected shortstop. Um, you know, almost with the Andrew Jones smile. It's not quite, but you know, kind of got that sort of you know confidence, but you know, not brashness. And that was you know, he jumped up, fist pumping, and everybody ran around him. So I think um, he's starting to sort of. Uh, become himself you know sort of you know fall into himself and you know the way you can see this a little bit in a, in, a, in a way that's less up my own butt than uh you know just talking like one of these talking heads on mlb network but uh you know you can actually see it in the in the heat maps if you if you look at his fastball heat map um before august 1st uh and uh, and you look back at the beginning of the season he he was swinging at things off uh, on the inside part of the plate in, in sort of in on his hands he was swinging at things in on his hands that uh, you can't do much with. I mean, we're talking about right in on the hands, off the plate. Uh, he had a 75%, 76% swing rate on those pitches uh, early in the season, on, on fastballs in there. That's numbers down to 40 and 50% there, so that's a real big... And it includes pitches that are in uh, and over the plate. So he's really turned a big red area into whites. Uh, on the inside part of the plate. And those aren't necessarily pitches, unless you're like kind of a dead pull hitter, those aren't pitches you're going to do a lot with. So I, I, I think he's the kind of guy that just needs to become more and more selective. And that's what I see. I see a real 
concentrating of of his of his uh, especially against fastballs. He's really you know pulling that tighter and tighter, and um, you know it may not show up in a 300 batting average like he did at times in the minor leagues, but I think you know in his peak year he probably will have you know a year or two of that. But mm, um, you know we've always been talking about that this looks a little bit like a young Johnny Peralta statistically. Um, he's a lot better with the glove, so it's not Johnny Peralta. It's more like Johnny Peralta with, uh, I would say, almost Lindor-esque glove. I mean, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say with a yeah. huge glove. I wouldn't quite go <clears throat> Angleton or Brandon Crawford, but that next level. Yeah. So, um, you know, better than than Peralta, and in in effect, may this is, you know, we're already seeing this year at twenty two stuff that Peralta did for you know the heart of his career. So we might be talking about something that's a little bit more like, you know, 280, 25, you know, um, you know, homers. Because he's, he's going to hit 20 homers this year. He's already got 19. So Exactly. You know, 35% gain on the ISO. Yeah, um, and, and, as that, that, and as that heat map starts to even, you know, tighten up, tighten up, we're going to see 10% walk rates. We're going to see 22% strikeout rates. It's going to get, you know, incrementally better, I think. So I, I think all the tools are there. The makeup is off the charts, and he's becoming more comfortable in the league. You know, so I think, yeah, this has been this has been really nice to watch. Fully agree. Still in on the Addison Russell as the superstar train is happening, folks. We're seeing it's, it's, it's slow. It's a little bit slower than Corey Seager. I freely admit that. It's okay to have some patience with the guy, though. Really love the, the yeah Corey Seager, who might win an MVP this year. Jeez. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like we can't compare everybody to Chris Bryant and Corey Seager. Like that's not fair yeah. to. 99% of the population. They're, they're, they're the exceptions that are superstars immediately. Um, this guy looked like a superstar immediately. Then he hasn't been for quite a while. Yasiel Puig went down to Oklahoma. Apparently was placed on waivers. There were some discussions. Okay, now, no, he didn't get traded. And in fact, he's on his way back up. What next in the unending Yasiel Puig saga? For those who are curious, 994 OPS with four homers in 75 plate appearances at Oklahoma City. Not that we really question whether or not he can hit AAA pitching, but what, what what's next in the majors? Any love for Puig in September on I, your end? Oh, in September it's a little bit difficult. Andrew Tolles is, is breaking out. Um, that's become a, a crowded outfield. The only thing that I could see him being useful uh, this year is probably sort of DFS versus lefties. Um, if the price has gone down in DFS or in those deeper leagues where you know you've held on, um, yeah, I think, you know, I still, I think that people were a little bit rude to him, uh, by looking at just this year's numbers and talking about Jeff Francoeur and how they're both righties with bad defense and bad play discipline. I, that's, that may be the snapshot of Yasiel Puig right now and, and what he's done so far this year, but that's not what he's looked like over his career. We're talking about a guy who's had at least average patience. Um, and who is, you know, has a 181 ISO for his career, and and has actually been uh, for his career 35 percent better than league average. So we can't just like put away those, you know, first two years and say, oh, he's 25, he's over the hill. <laughs> like, no. What about this though? Play devil's advocate because I've always been a Puig guy. I loved him coming into this year. Um, the detractors will point to. What, that first year that he had, the first half was great, but since the All-Star break of that year, it's been pretty bad. So, you know, what 
Why, why such a great start in 2013? Oh, no, since the 2014 All-Star break. So he had the good 2013, and then since the 2014 All-Star break, he's been kind of dreadful. So good year and a half, and then nothing since. What's going on with the nothing since? Is it the off-the-field stuff? Is there a skills issue? Like, I don't know what to make of him anymore, but if you're asking me if they should trade a 25-year-old with his talent, I think they'd be crazy to do so at any yeah, sort of discount. I think that's probably why it didn't happen, and they, they, they still have some hope. They just uh, wanted to see what he was valued at. Uh, I don't know. I my Personally, I think if you took 2015 and doubled it for a full season, you would get 255 average, 22 homers, 6 stolen bases, and you know he'd be a valuable place, and that I think doesn't really encapture his balls and play potential because I think he hits the ball really hard. Mm-hmm. So you know, I still think he's got like I don't I've revised my my peak stuff down on him, but I still think that next year he could easily hit two seventy five with twenty twenty five homers and ten stolen bases. Like okay. that's that would be in like you know that wouldn't even be that weird. It wouldn't even be going all the way back to his excellence in his first year because you can get twenty two, twenty three, twenty four homers without having a two fifteen ISO. So, you know, just with this one eighty ISO that he's had for his whole career, I think you can get to twenty twenty home runs. So, you know, you know, there's power there. There's patience in every year, but this year. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe this year hasn't been great. Maybe he's pressing, you know, maybe there's a lot of things that could go on in one year. I'm not, I'm not calling him Jeff Francoeur, but however, it's still this one year. And I think one of the reasons that the Dodgers were looking around was that, you know, Andrew Tolles has, has stepped forward in the outfield. Uh, he's a lefty though. Um, you know, so you could still have Yasiel Puig, uh, platooning with Josh Reddick or Andrew Tolles on the corners. So, um, you know, that's, uh, that's, I think, what he will do, actually. And I think that's still useful in the super deep leagues. I have an 18-team league where I could totally use a righty, uh, you know, a righty right fielder right now because I lost Stanton. Um, and, you know, I'm ready to plug him right back in against lefties. DFS, I think if the prices fell far enough, you know, this is still a guy who has power potential, walks, stolen bases, and, you know, could hit a few lefties really nicely in this last month. But, um, okay. you know, in terms of, like, picking him up in 12 and 14 teamers uh, without seeing him play a lot, I, you know, I, I don't see the playing time there really necessarily for him right now. You, let's hit the other end of the spectrum and wrap it up here, uh, heading, heading into the Labor Day weekend here. Gary Sanchez could not be hotter, right? I mean absolute fire right now 374 441 798 with 11 homers in 99 at bats monster uh, fastest to 11 homers ever what do we got here i mean I, we got to keep bringing up gary sanchez every once in a while just because he's so ridiculous <laughs> i, I mean, wanted to just say, keep I, more. I wanted to say something because you know the people. A lot of people have been saying, "Oh, Kevin Moss," you know, and and who's that? Shane Spencer. Oh, yeah, and Shane Spencer. Come but, on, come, they, yeah, come on, dude. Like, eye roll emoji. Like, just yes. Go, no, don't do my that. Eyes fly out of my head. They roll so hard because <laughs> yeah. that is like it's that's such hard. a mischaracterization, and it shows. I don't know a level of stupidity. I get that's dumb. Yeah, it's I dumb. Just, it's I a dumb know. thing to say. I do. I'm not a big fan of that one. And, and, you know, part of my career is based on a piece I wrote about Kevin Moss. I, I, you know, I am fully aware that like there are flashes in the pan and stuff like that, but the, let's define what Kevin Moss was. 
Kevin Moss was an old rookie. He was a exactly. you know, a college, you know, a college guy that dominated in the minor leagues, came up fully formed and was ready to go. And he's more along the lines of I don't know, like a Stephen Piscotty, you know, or that's an um, interesting name. Yeah, you know. You know, that's, you know, a lot of these Cardinals rookies, I, I thought of Cardinals right away. A lot of these Cardinals rookies that come in at 27, like a Hazel Baker, that's, that's more like a Shane that's, Spencer, right? Yes. Dude was that's 20, the perfect 28 year. years old and knew what he was doing and came in and did the best he could for a while. And then he got exposed a little bit because. Because well, they get know. treated like the 22 year old because they say, okay, here you go, rook. Right. What can you do? And then it is a fully formed rookie, and they're like, okay, you can do something. Now can you do this in the next year? You know, Moss had the uh, 300 plate appearances of a 150 OPS plus that first year, went down to 100, 99, 97, out of baseball, essentially. Yeah, well, and- missed 94, came back in 95 for uh, 20, uh, 64 uninspired plate appearances. Like, he's not going to have a 400 ISO, Gary Sanchez, you know? But- Wait, why not? <laughs> and it might feel like he's old, but he's 23, you know? He's, and he's been around since 16, and that's what do- – it, it tricks people. It messes with their heads a little bit. He's been in the in the prospect sphere forever to the point I was mentioning earlier, people who don't really follow it too much. Even if you don't follow prospects that much, you've known Gary Sanchez now for three, four, sometimes five years. He was a top 30 guy in 2011. And again – that's the level that, that even a, a casual prospect person knows. They know the top 25, the top 30. So you've known Sanchez forever, and that's probably why people think that. 23 years old, you know, we cannot stress and, that enough. And on top of that, the stuff that we've been talking about, how when we talked to him at the AFL, uh, everything was about catching uh, and about his defense and framing and all that stuff. So, you know, the reason that he's been kept in the minor leagues is not necessarily his bat. He's never had a year where he had a, a, even an average year with a bat in the minor leagues. I mean, he's been mostly 30 to 40% better than his league um, everywhere along the way. So it's not like a stagnating bat or whatever. And, and when, when he dipped a little, there was a little of the, is, is he bored because he, he has to learn the catching piece. And, and maybe he turned it around. And that, and that you know, sounds again like mumbo-jumbo, but we know that Francisco Lindor this year said he was bored in the minor <laughs> leagues. We, we've heard guys cop to it. They have. Yeah. They've said, listen, I just you know, lost and a little it, bit. It's a human nature thing, too. Like, you, you can say. Than being the, guy, the project guy for the Yankees that if he could ever figure out the glove, he'll come up and just be toiling away, and the Yankees are getting worse, and you're like, come on, people. And then you sign Brian McCann. McCann, What are you yep. doing? I'm your catcher. <laughs> yeah. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to think about the human end of it sometimes and how you might react to a similar situation and think, well, what am I doing down here then in Scranton, Wilkes Bear? Yeah. Uh, you know, it, and then imagine how invigorating it would be when they were like, no, we're pulling you up and we're going to start sitting Brian McCann. Mm-hmm. And he's going to start playing DH and you're going to be our guy. You would just blow up. You know, you and, and he's gone an ape. And, yeah, and all of the work that he did put in because once he, and, and the, the 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 boredom thing was about a year, year and a half ago that that the rumors started su- uh, being suggested that maybe he was like that. So he put in a whole bunch of work to get the catching better. He's being paid off on that. Gary Sanchez is, and and yeah, I think we're we are definitely seeing a peak version right now, just an absolute fire version. But I think even the regression is a level that you're going to want to be in on. I mean, yeah, I think. Uh, it's- I think he's definitely a 200 ISO guy, just to, to bring it back to numbers, because, yeah. 
you know, there was some, you know, he was only around 200 in double A AA and triple A. And, you know, would, would that come down when he came up? And I, I don't think so. I think that uh, he's got a really nice swing. I think, you know, some of this patience may actually stick around. I don't think that um, he necessarily has to be a five, six percent walk rate, uh, walk rate guy. So I'm, I'm saying like, you know, 330 OBP, uh, you know, 500 slugging. Uh, that's oh, a God, that's, that's so an good. 800 OPS catcher that isn't necessarily guaranteed to have a bad batting average. So uh, that's a really nice catcher. I made a big trade for him. I think he was uh, a headliner in. Um, I think he was a big part of the Miguel Cabrera. I finally traded away Miguel Cabrera in that crazy 20 team dynasty. Ooh. And uh, Gary Sanchez was part of the the, the 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 road back. And the reason I liked him and Dan Farnsworth, my my co uh, co owner liked him as you know his swing and even though and catchers a little bit undervalued or overvalued in this league because only have one catcher in an 18 team league however if you have a great offensive catcher other people don't you know you still get that benefit yeah because there's not even cutting into it a little bit so you're only going with 18 instead of 36 which most most leagues do too yeah you're still at the top end there i mean he's gonna be is he a top five catcher next year right off the bat i think so personally I yeah. think he'll be drafted as such. It's still going to be posy, but then it's wide open, right? Luke Croy's back in the mix. Yeah. Wilson Ramos. Uh, well, see, Ramos, like, you know, is he going to have keep that magic? I mean, how old is he now? Yeah, he's 28, 30 area. In that, in that area, I honestly don't know the exact age. He might actually be going 29. into... We, 29. Okay. So, you know, yes, great year uh, building tour. It doesn't mean... And that LASIK, maybe it, it keeps with you. I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess um, he would be in the discussion. Um, Ramos, what are, what, are our, what are our guys here? We're talking about um, Posey, Lucroy. Posey and Lucroy, I think, will still go first, in, too, in a lot of leagues, right? They, they earn their spots. Yachty's Lucroy, falling off. Yachty's for sure falling off. Schwarber no. won't have... Sal Qualification. Perez will be 27 next year and just hasn't really gone to that next level. Sal Perez will be up there, especially in batting average leagues. Um, but actually, you know, I think they could they could take different routes to it, but they could have, you know, Gary Sanchez could be, you know, his baseline projection will be similar to Sanchez uh, to um, Sal Perez. 260 with, San- with 20 homers. Sanchez it's- getting an improvement in OBP leagues? Yeah. Like where, where Perez yeah. takes a hit? Sure. Yeah. And what about what about Real Muto? More upside than Sal Perez. So if you you know if they were you know you know similar uh, prices, if you were kind of building a high variance team, you could like like if you were doing NFBC where uh, you kind of want to draft based on upside more than downside. I feel like because you want yeah go no you want to win yeah, yeah you want to win know. the whole thing and, and get that big prize yeah so I I think that I'd rather have Sanchez than than Sal Perez you know just in case Sanchez goes off for you know 30 next year but um I think that's wherever you find Sal Perez you're gonna find Gary Sanchez and it's just gonna be you know some personal uh decision making you got you gotta do there that'll work that'll definitely work well you know I think uh we, we, we've tested a little bit of this out here with the Zencaster I think we're gonna actually have a good recording which has lowered my blood pressure by by quite a bit let's hope that this uh second recording that we had to do when when the site went down for a second, works. Uh, we're going to take a long weekend. I'm going to not record a podcast for the whole weekend just to actually kind of breathe a little bit. Jason, I already said he's going to be doing stuff with the family, so no Labor Day podcast. But you and I will be back on Wednesday 
ready to dominate. We got a, we got a stretch run here. We got to get everybody through the stretch run, but we're going to start mixing in some 2017 stuff as well. Start looking ahead to the future just a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk AFL next week, guys that we're, we're really looking forward to seeing down there. And, uh, you know, I just hope you have a good holiday weekend. And uh, I don't know how much you follow college football, but if you, if you dabble in that a little bit, that's fine. But you got you to gotta stick it with the baseball through the rest of the season. Taking the Rugrats to game one of the Stanford season. Looks like Stanford Ooh. is ranked eighth this year. So Yeah, they get to see football. Christian. I will get they... to not see any of the football because I will be chasing one of the Rugrats around at all times. <laughs> They'll be more elusive than Christian McCaffrey. I guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> the nice thing about the stadium here is there's a lot of grass actually in the stadium, oh, okay. like up on the up on the concourse. They have grass. Yeah, that's so, awesome. You know they're going to run around. In I might be able to just sort of uh, you know watch them with one eye and watch the game with the other. So I, I'm interested to see how this goes, uh, but uh, it's going to be fun. And I'm taking them to the San Jose Giants tomorrow. Um, where tickets are twelve bucks, and uh, even if the mascot scares the crap out of one of my kids, and I have to leave early, um, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll see something. I might, I think Christian Arroyo might be there. So if I there you go, if I get any any time um, with eyes on the field, I'll, I'll, I'll add to my Christian Arroyo scouting report, which so far has been a very big positive because we've seen him in um, in spring, I think, and. Uh, uh, we might see him in the AFL. I haven't actually. Looked Is he? Uh, yeah, I haven't fully looked at the lists either because those just came out. So that's why we'll get into the next week. Arroyo, um, obviously, you know, he's played mostly shortstop. He's not going to take Crawford's gig. But is he, is he a guy that's going to be knocking on the door next year to play third? I think that's why they traded Duffy. Okay. They, I think they believe in Arroyo. And, you know, it's on, honestly, Arroyo has some of the flaws that Duffy had, which was like the inconsistent power. And Arroyo's power has kind of come in fits and spurts. But if you put Arroyo's minor league career up against Duffy's minor league career, um, it's not entirely clear which one would have more power in the major leagues. So um, I think that they thought, you know, best case scenario, Arroyo's better than Duffy in terms of, you know, power and, and playing a third. Um, or, you know, worst case scenario, he's, he's pretty similar. I mean, they both, you know, made, make contact at that sort of, you know, 12 to 14% rate. Uh, maybe Duffy had more patience, but maybe Arroyo can learn that. Well, uh, Arroyo, keep more, in more mind. pedigree, more draft pedigree, uh, yeah. more scouting pedigree. So, and everything Duffy was doing, he was an older guy. So the patience piece specifically, you look at the two college player versus high schooler. So yeah. when they're escalating at the same levels, Arroyo's a, a bit younger. So if he's emulating Duffy's stuff at a younger age, that's that's even more impressive. So I, I like him. If you get a chance to put eyes on him, that'll be great. We'll talk about that next week. You know, have a great time with the kids this weekend, and you and I will talk next week. Yep. Thanks for listening. And and sorry if uh, things go a little wonky. This is our first try with a new thing. And, yeah, uh, I, I, hopefully it's going to be better. I, I've explained kind of where we're at on the last yeah. podcast. Did a little thing at the end. You guys have been awesome with the patience. We're going to get it right. It's going to be back to the way it was. I mean, forever until like the last month. If you're mad at us, do, you know, push that anger towards Skype. Yes, please do because I <laughs> promise you that Skype has been the the bane of my existence lately. That has caused, and if they would have never updated to the point where they got rid of call graphs, we would have never had any. I, I swear, like we'd have had none of these issues. You guys never heard recording issues from this podcast until about the last month. So, you know, we got hopefully the Zencaster is the one to go. 
Carson never seems to have problems. Well, not pr- problems with his recording. We got plenty of problems for Carson, but we can't get into those. It'd be like a four hour podcast. Guess what? I got to go chat because mine had to get moved. So we got to go. 